0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Monday, April 10th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Olivet native Becky Sauerbrunn has earned World Cups and Olympic medals with the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Another piece of her legacy is the team's successful fight for the same pay as male players.
1: We knew that if we were winning, people would have their eyes on this team. And unfortunately, we we needed to keep winning and we needed the spotlight just to make sure that we stayed relevant.
0: In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin will speak with the soccer star ahead of tomorrow's exhibition match at City Park. Missouri dispensaries are reporting more than $125 million in medical and recreational marijuana sales last month. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports cultivators in the state are shifting to meet a large demand. Supply challenges are common when states move from a
2: medical to recreational cannabis market. In Missouri, many cultivators hadn't totally built out their facilities to avoid overproducing medical marijuana. Mitch Myers is a founding partner of Bee Leaf Medical Group, which has three grow facilities in Missouri. She says adding capacity after the state legalized recreational use isn't trivial.
1: Even if we had all the capital we needed today to expand, We still have supply chain issues with HVAC equipment and, you know, LED lights and racks.
2: On top of that, Meyer says it takes about four months for cannabis plants to grow from seed to harvest. She expects the squeeze around supply will resolve in about three to six months.
0: I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. There is another spike in area gas prices. Gas Buddy reports they are up roughly 13 and a half cents over the past week. That's nearly 31 cents higher than a month ago, but around 45 cents lower than last year. The average in the region is $3.40 a gallon. Prices in the Metro East range from $3.69 to $3.89 a gallon. They run between $305 and $3.19 in the Rolla area and between $329 and $389 in Quincy. The Regional Arts Commission is trying to boost tourism by marketing St. Louis as an arts destination. A new ad campaign targets people in surrounding states and Germany. Now that direct flights are available to the European country, Explore St. Louis Vice President Kat Neville says arts already drive more than tourism in the region.
1: The Cardinals and you know and beer they they get more love than the arts, but the arts bring in more revenue to uh, to St. Louis than than sports do.
0: RAC also launched a new website compiling St. Louis arts options and will co-sponsor more tourist-friendly events. Area tourism still has not returned to pre-pandemic levels. That affects RAC, which receives money from a hotel-motel tax to fund arts organizations throughout the region. The defendants in the ComEd bribery trial in Illinois are finally about to get their say. Prosecutors are expected to wrap their case this week against the four defendants accused of bribing ex-Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan. Dave McKinney reports. Prosecutors have been playing secretly recorded conversations between comment executives in which then-CEO Ann Promajori fought to fill a seat in the power company's board to please Madigan. In this tape, she had just broken the news to her colleague that Madigan's pick for the seat won out.
1: Well, Ann, that should be huge for the Speaker then. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge.
0: huge. Yeah. This was part of a larger scheme to pack ComEd's payroll with Madigan's friends and allies at a time the company wanted legislation passed in Springfield. The defenses argued that job recommendations aren't illegal. This is Dave McKinney. Scott Air Force Base has a new food donation box outside its elementary school. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports the goal is to help address food insecurity on the base.
1: A twenty twenty two report from the Department of Defense found nearly a quarter of service members struggle with food insecurity. The non military population is just ten percent. Those facts motivated local nonprofit director Alicia Steele to build a box that is non perishable food. Steele says she can empathize with those children because she grew up in a similar situation. They're just great kids and it's it's not their fault. They deserve to have what they need <laughs> so that they can focus on school and, and learn and try and overcome that cycle. Steele put in similar boxes at schools in nearby O'Fallon and Swansea. She says it's hard to measure how many people use them. She does know, however, the boxes are routinely empty. At Scott Air Force Base, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Olivet native Becky Sauerbrunn has been a fixture on the U.S. women's national soccer team for more than a dozen years, winning two Olympic medals and two World Cups. The team visits City Park in St. Louis tomorrow to play Ireland ahead of the 2023 World Cup. The U.S. women will be eligible to earn the same World Cup prize money as the men's team for the first time. That's because of an agreement players made last year with the U.S. Soccer Federation. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Sauerbrunn, how she and her teammates prevailed in their years-long legal battle.
1: We were arguing and fighting for the right things. Yeah, the judge um, partially sided with U.S. Soccer when it came down to some of the financials, but as far as the working conditions, they absolutely thought that there was too much inequality and that needed to be rectified right away. And we got a little bit more collaborative and we found a way to eventually equalize even the financial part of it. And with a lot of help, Um, from the men's national team and the men's national team players association.
2: Well, when you look at that timeline of of that long struggle, I I wonder if you successfully moved the public conversation to a place where, you know, even if you weren't victorious on some of the key points in court, it just became untenable for U.S. soccer to, to really continue what they've been doing.
1: I believe so. I think a lot of sponsors were supporting the women. I think the public pressure as well from the fan base, And then I think you have, you know, some Congress people that really stepped up and were siding with us. And then you also had President Biden uh, talking about the issues and saying that the women deserve equal pay.
2: You're featured in the 2021 documentary film, LFG, about teams fight for equal pay.
1: We're not just fighting for soccer glory. We're also representing what women can be um, when given a certain platform. And anything less than winning is a failure.
2: It seemed that you were very aware of how winning matches uh, would, in a sense, help your case. But there's a kind of, there's a sad element to that, that that really that shouldn't have been so important, maybe.
1: Exactly. And we knew that if we were winning, we were relevant and that people would have their eyes on this team. And I hope we get to a spot where it's more about the argument that women just deserve equal pay because they are doing the same work. And unfortunately, we, we needed to keep winning and we needed the spotlight just to make sure that we stayed relevant.
2: Well, it's handy when you can win a couple of World Cups anyway.
1: That helps, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt, that's for sure.
2: Well, I want to be sure to ask you about this also. Recently, you, you wrote an op-ed column supporting trans kids playing sports, particularly trans girls playing girls sports. Why was it important to speak out about that?
1: When I think about what I have learned, especially as a young person playing sports, you know, the the teamwork that you learn, the the challenges, the obstacles that you learn to overcome, the camaraderie, the relationships that you create, fighting for a common goal, like all these things that really give you a sense of purpose and belonging. To deny the opportunity for these children to have that sense of belonging and the camaraderie and all that, I think is extremely cruel. So I wrote that op-ed knowing that It was going to be extremely polarizing, but I so truly believe that transgendered youth should get to play on sports teams with the gender that they identify with. I wanted transgendered youth and, you know, their families and allies to know that there are people that do support them and do believe that they should get to play. And I also wanted to call out the legislation that's, you know, asking to ban these transgendered youth from getting to play sports and put some pressure on them as well.
2: Well, as someone who has a ton of experience playing in on girls teams and then women's teams, when you hear someone stand up and say they're talking about protecting girls and women, what do you say to that?
1: If people were truly, truly invested in protecting women's sports, just in the NWSL alone, there has been rampant um, sexual and verbal abuse. And so making sure that you're hiring people to protect them and to create safe environments. You know, you can go to Title IX compliance at universities, like all these things. If you want to protect women's sports, there are so many things that you can look to and say, well, why aren't you doing all these things?
0: That was U.S. Women's National Soccer Team player Becky Sauerbrunn talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. Our David Cosserais edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt.
1: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.